Welcome to the LaRouge Rugby Podcast with your hosts, Derek Brissett, Stu Hardy, and Dan Murphy. And that's where you appreciate those hands of Rob Brower a moment ago. Indeed. Not always easy for the big man to recover. Off to the races, slipping into gear. The captain, Dan Moore, to the rescue. And what a run, what a try from the captain for the Toronto native. Looks like he was going to go inside. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Derek Brissett, and joining me today is Mr. Stu Hardy. Stu, how was your weekend now that a few of the you know, things around Toronto have started to open up. Did you get out and enjoy the sunshine at all? Yeah, I was going to say, the thing I've been enjoying the most this weekend has been the good weather we've been having here in Toronto. Of course, good to get out to the parks and the beaches while maintaining social distancing, of, of course. Yeah, it's uh, exactly. It's nice to be able to go and enjoy stuff, but got to make sure everybody is still staying safe, maintaining the distance from one another. Um, it's nice to have a few things opened up, but we definitely do not want that second wave. So hopefully, you know, everybody is staying safe and out there. We did see the Toronto Arrows posting on Twitter with the uh, Niagara Wasp, but they uh, have re-engaged in some small group training so you know it's nice to see that we're getting a couple steps closer here to having some rugby back in North America there's a a lot of teams across the continent kind of starting back up with their training so that is great to see now the main reason for this podcast episode today is there was some massive arrows news that dropped during the past week and that was that the beloved captain of the team, Dan Moore, has announced his retirement. Uh, and he will be taking a position at Bain and Company come November, um, pursuing, you know, all his business dreams, goals and aspirations. He was on the uh, Earful of Dirt podcast mentioning how he wants to run his own company one day. And, you know, it seems like for him that the, he feels that this was the time to step away from the game of rugby and begin pursuing some of his goals that he has outside of the game. Um, for Toronto, from the perspective of Toronto Arrows fans, though, it does mean that in the past week we have lost Sam Malcolm to uh, the sea waves in Japan and we've lost Dan Moore. So a couple of, you know, the better players on the Toronto Arrows, some of the best players on the Arrows, as well as, you know, some of the fan favorites and this fan favorite is definitely a word that applies to Dan Moore. So, you know, unfortunately, Dan, uh, Dan Murphy could not join us to record this podcast. But, you know, as we are about to kind of dive into, you know, paying a little bit of a tribute to Dan Moore and, you know, talking about what his impact on the club, the fans was, uh, Dan did want to say something. So, from Mr. Dan Murphy, the typical host of the LaRouge Rugby podcast, but unfortunately unable to. Uh, get together and record with us today. But he did want to say that Dan Moore stood for everything that Toronto Arrows stood for. He gave everything on and off the pitch. He scored tries and made huge tackles whenever it was called upon. In the rugby community, he was an amazing ambassador and continued his passion with the fans, whether it be in the post-game beer up or the camps that the Arrows ran. I wish him the best and I hope he knows the impact he will leave on Toronto Arrows fans. 
And, you know, ultimately, Dan Moore, he retires as the Arrows leader in minutes played with 1,574, meters carried 1,345, offloads 11, tackle breaks 11, tries 11. There's a lot of 11s in there for a guy that mostly wore the 14 jersey. And he was second on the team in carries at 168, line breaks at 13, third in appearances at 21. And, you know, it's just absolute monumental impact on the club both on and off the pitch so it's kind of a lot to um you know it's there's a lot of talk on social media a lot of fans expressing you know how much they admired dan moore there was a lot of messages that he got social media kind of blew up here in toronto and amongst the toronto rugby community when the announcement came out and uh so Stu, uh we'll i guess we'll start with you it's like what like, what did you think when you kind of heard the news that Morrow's retiring? And, you know, what uh, what does the captain kind of mean to you as an Arrows fan? Well, when I heard the news, I think the main emotion I felt was shock more than anything else. So this is a guy who is 29, about to turn 30, was, has all these amazing stats behind him, was picked as the all MLR second 15 last year. Um, one of the leaders in um, one of the top try scorers for 2020. And of all the players I thought would be retiring from professional rugby, Dan Moore was not at the top of my list for that. So yeah, it was a shock. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and I think that shows the impact that Dan had on the fans of the Toronto Arrows and maybe even the fans of MLR as a whole, that this was a guy who was retiring at the top of his game. And, you know, there's the selfish side of me that says like, ah, oh, he could do another few seasons, you know, he's still great. He's still fine. And then, Obviously, when I heard him on the Earful of Dirt podcast, it's like, oh, of course, this makes sense. Um, one thing that he did mention, and it's mentioned in interviews, is that he is retiring with no concussions and only one shoulder injury. Now, I've read countless stories of pro rugby players in their early 20s who have had to retire because they've racked up too many concussions or they've just not recovered from a certain injury and they have nowhere to go because they've known rugby all their life. They've gone from uh, a student being 16 years old into an academy setup, into the professional setup, and then all of a sudden uh, they're out on their phone. Now Dan obviously has a master's from uh, Oxford University and he has this great job lined up for him in November. So... You know, it's, I'm a bit on, you know, there's the self, like I said, there's a selfish side of me that wants to see him play a few more games. But I can also say, you know what, if the Arrows ever host a charity match in a couple of years' time, I know who's going to be on the uh, Arrows 15 of retired players that can, you know, make one more appearance and can sell out the stands. Yeah, I mean, that'll, that's probably something a lot of uh, MLR fans, maybe we have to look forward to one day is, you know, we get 10 years down the road here, we can start a, 
there's a lot of professional sports leagues that have alumni matches and run alumni teams. And, you know, so that could be a, a great thing to see. I did like, it appears that, you know, Dan is going to kind of be around a little bit. Like it, you know, it seems that the, uh, you know, in the Neil Davidson article that came out with it, he said he would be, it said at the end of the article that he'd be around in an advisory role. And so hopefully, you know, I would imagine he's going to be around a little bit just at the very least, maybe as kind of like a celebrity fan slash, you know, just community representative kind of, we see that a lot in Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs tend to keep around a lot of their players that have retired just for, you know, just to be kind of goodwill ambassadors for the team. And hopefully more will kind of stick around in that role too. Uh, Moore had an unreal career, as we kind of have mentioned. He played for Balmy Beach, the Ontario Blues, Queen's University. You already mentioned Oxford, in which he got a chance to play in the legendary varsity match out there as well. So that would have been a crazy experience. Um, he played for uh, he played a little bit for the in the Wasps um, program as well. Yorkshire Carnegie, and then finally came to the Arrows to close it out. And you know, so he obviously also has 14 caps for Canada. You know, he's, he's done a lot in, in his career. And I think it's, I think it's kind of great. It's like, if you can kind of go out on your own terms, that's always a good thing. And it sounds like that is exactly what he's doing. Like, this is completely his decision. As you said, like selfishly for you, you're probably like, I wish she, you know, like who wouldn't want to watch Dan Moore play rugby a couple more times and a few more games in, but you know, to be able to walk away with minimal injuries, like I don't know if you've read Sam Warburton's book um, that's kind of recently come out, but you know, in that he kind of details how much the game of rugby kind of takes a toll on your body, and um, obviously, open side flanker and winger, uh, a little bit of a different positions as far as you know some of the, the physicality and things like that. But you know, it kind of does paint that light into you know there's just not really a whole lot of guys that can kind of walk away necessarily on their own terms that don't have, you know, some of the battle scars to kind of back like that are going to stick with them for the rest of their, their lives. So, you know, hopefully um, he kind of is able to do that, um, is able to walk away and, you know, he can live, he can, uh, you know, go and uh, approach his, uh, his business goals and everything with the same, you know, with the same commitment and the same level of pursuit of excellence that he did in his rugby career. And um, so with that kind of being said there, like, you know, when you go through Dan Moore's career and stuff, Stu, like, what do you think, like, what are some of your favorite Dan Moore memories? Like, what do you think of a lot? Or, you know, is there any, you know, is there any try? Is there any, you know, other moment that really kind of sticks out to you? Well, he does have a long list of tries that he scored in Major League Rugby. And um, I think possibly his last try against the Seattle Seawolves, which came off a Seattle mistake and it was scored in the 80th minute, I think being his final try will um, sit in a lot of fans' memories. And also because it was the same location where the Arrows had been defeated by the Seawolves as the Seawolves went on to lift the Emerald Shield. So, you know, a nice little bit of revenge there, I guess you could say. However, I think my favorite try of Dan Moore, and it, again, it's against the uh, Seawolves, was in, was in Toronto 
and it was the game that I saw the Arrows could definitely make the playoffs. So that would have been, oh my goodness. Yeah, so that would have been, yeah, at Alumni Field where it was Dan Moore um, went from, I think it was beyond halfway to blitz through the seawall defense and um, score the try, uh, which would take it to three three tries a game. And then a few minutes later was the fourth try that uh, got the arrows the bonus point as well. Um, but I think no matter what try he scored, it was the bow and arrow celebration. That just sticks with everyone. Yeah, uh, Dan's kind of, his celebration kind of became an iconic thing, I guess, within the uh, the Arrows fans. And, you know, it, it was great to kind of see him do it after pretty much every major try that he scored. It was nice that it became a thing. And I... I hope that at the very least one arrows player, um, you know, kind of continues that down the line or even, I mean, maybe all of them should do it. That would be kind of fun. Every try they score, the opponent has to watch the, uh, the bow and arrow celebration, but you know, it was kind of fun to see that the, uh, the captain was the guy that kind of embraced that. And, you know, he was the one that uh, came up with the, you know, the creative way to celebrate all the tries being scored. So that's definitely something that'll remember. I think there's a couple other tries or moments from Dan that kind of stick out to me too, is like, you know, he uh, charged down a kick um, against Austin in the 78th minute. And, you know, that gave the Toronto event for a try and that gave the Toronto arrows their first, um, their first win in that major league rugby history. Uh, You know, it's, if, uh, it's kind of funny when you kind of talk about, you know, what we now know of Austin that, you know, you needed that late, uh, that late try in order to beat them considering what we kind of now kind of view the gap between the two teams is, but um, it was a brilliant, brilliant, just pure effort try from Dan Moore to chase down the kick and then, you know, to actually be able to pounce on it in the uh, in goal area. And, you know, he also had a couple other big tries, too. He scored twice in their franchise opener versus NOLA. In the home opener, he uh, took a nice pass from Spencer Jones. And, you know, after all those years that Canadian rugby fans had to wait to get professional rugby in Canada, within the first minute of a professional rugby union game on Canadian soil, Dan Moore is already on the scoreboard with a try early in the game. And, you know, the arrow cell, the bow and arrow celebration there to boot. Um, And then, you know, he also, you know, there's also a lot of, he had some great moments too with, uh, with Canada as well. And, you know, Stu, is there anything like from his, from his Canadian career that you like with the national team that, uh, you know, you're going to remember sticks out for you? I think the only th- the one thing I'll mainly take away is that his career with Canada was far shorter than I believe it should have been. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of opportunities for Dan to have been selected for the Canadian team and it was just a case of time and time again that he was looked over. Now, it is fair to argue that you look at other players in the wing position, such as Jeff Hassler or DTH van der Merwe, and you can say, well, those two are... It. Those guys are playing. Yeah, they're not having yeah, them. The, yeah, they're playing. I think the issue for me was when Jeff Hassler stopped playing for about a year to then rejoin Seattle. And by the way, all power to him. 
but at the same time is that Dan had been the inform winger for Canada for all those months building up. And it left, it let, yeah, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth because this is not only the informed Canadian winger. He is, as I said, one of the top try scorers in MLR. He was picked for the second 15 for MLR. And he's the Canadian captain of the Canadian MLR team. And for him to not even be considered, yeah, that made me ask a lot of questions about uh, the relationship between Rugby Canada and the Arrows. But that's been and gone. That's in the past. Um, I remember there, Dan there's Mo- still There's still a ton of Arrows on Team Canada. I'm not really like the Canadian national team. I'm not really sure that's... I mean, that's maybe more of Kingsley Jones kind of making some personnel decisions. But, you know, the, the, the Toronto Arrows and Rugby Canada and even Pacific Pride, like they all kind of have worked together to develop like the depth chart and stuff. And it's just, you know, there's, there's a ton of fans that really believe in that they would really wanted to see Dan Moore play for the Canadian national team. Unfortunately, Kingsley Jones didn't really see it that way, but I don't necessarily think that that's, you know, any indication that there's, you know, a strain in the relationship between the arrows and the Canadian national team. It's just, you know, maybe, maybe there is just some personnel decisions, but I don't necessarily think that's. Well, I'm saying it's more of a strain of my relationship with the Canadian. Yeah, national exactly. Team. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. And that's why I say it's <laughs> um, because I think one of the things that speaks to Dan as a person more than a player is that when the shortlist came out for the World Cup uh, team is that Dan made a post on Instagram talking about how he'd been working his hardest for the past five years to get to Japan, didn't get it, but was completely understanding of like, this is sport. This is, it's not always um, field of dreams. It's not always going to go your way in the end. And, you know, people have to make tough decisions in these positions as well. And yeah, because one thing I've got to say about Dan, he is the most approachable player I have ever come across. And that's from my experience working uh, with the English Premiership and meeting some players then and my line of work. But Dan, Dan, I feel, is like the guy who you can not only go up to and have a pint with, but he will buy the round as well. So, yeah. Dan, if you're listening, yeah, <laughs> next round's on you. <laughs> oh, well, no, you can't, you can't do that. He's, he's, reti- <laughs> he, he's retired now. It has to be. It definitely has to be on us. Um, yeah, like I, I, I agree with um, a lot that you kind of just said there. And it was like, I thought, you know, I think, the one thing that all kind of remember a lot about at least his time with the Toronto arrows is that he really did embrace that role of being kind of the face of the franchise. You know, not only did he take on the captaincy, but he really, you know, he was always the guy kind of doing the media availabilities. He, you know, was very, he, the one thing that I'll take away is that like, he never said no, anything that, you know, I asked him whether, you know, it's a post game interview or just to, or to even to do like a longer you know, sit down interview and stuff. He always said yes, always was happy to do it and keen to do it. And, you know, I think 
that's something that's kind of gone a long way for why like the arrows have been able to do so well within the Toronto communities because they have some of the most approachable players in professional sports. And I think a lot of that does come down from, you know, Dan Moore being the leader of that team. And, you know, even there was like times last year too, when I was like trying to gather up some guys to do like, you know, a post-game interview based on, you know, just some of the key guys that had a big role in, you know, any given match. And, you know, Dan would often be the guy that would kind of help facilitate that and even like pull some guys out of the locker room as they were, you know, celebrating their win to be like, to help me just track them down and, and uh, you know, be able to conduct an interview with them. And, you know, and it's just something is like, he really kind of went above and beyond to help out in that regard. And, you know, kind of, and, you know, it was just, it was great to see. And so I think that's kind of, you know, you need guys like that. If you're going to make rugby work in North America, you need them to, you know, be really approachable by the fans and engage the fans really well. And, you know, all the other stakeholders, um, you know, to kind of go back to um, Dan's career with Canada though, is, you know, maybe there is, there's a lot of fans like yourself, Stu, that, were very, very disappointed that he did not make the uh, World Cup squad as we head into Japan here. But he did have some, you know, he still got 14 caps in. He did have some, you know, great moments. He had, you know, two tries in his debut against Uruguay, which was huge. And then he also got the uh, the opportunity to play in the record setting at the time, the uh, game against the Maori All Blacks, which is the largest crowd um, in Canadian rugby union at the time. So, and if you've never seen the Hakka that was done by the Maori before that game, it's, I don't know, Stu, if you've seen it, but it's, it's an all time great Hakka. Well, I haven't seen the Maori all black hacker, but I have seen the all black hacker live and yeah, it's definitely intimidating spectacle that if anyone can see it, then I strongly recommend you get a ticket for an All Blacks game. Doesn't matter how much it costs, you just got to go. You just got to be there for that uh, that experience. Um, yeah, I do remember Dan saying about his first try um, when his parents were there to watch him. And after he scored, he was able to see his dad in the crowd and that made it all the more memorable. And, you know, I think that's one of the... It's one of the unique moments that, from a player's perspective, you'll remember for all your days is not only just your first try, but the fact that your family were there to watch it. And Dan has mentioned multiple times the importance of his family and his growth as a rugby player. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've we've kind of talked about a little bit about the the impact that Dennis had on the fans. Obviously, you know, I think he was the epitome of the term fan favorite. I said, like we've said, most approachable professional athlete I've ever come across. And, you know, but at the end of the day now, like, you know, the Toronto Arrows are at some point, they're going to have to move on. So, you know, how, how do you replace a guy like Dan Moore? Well, there's a lot of good wingers there's a lot of young wingers um we already know that Avery Oiterman is a fantastic winger and 
I think we'd all. He's still at school, though, right? So. Oh, um, oh, absolutely, and he can get a lot of experience in Cardiff. But you know, once he's got his degree, once uh, that's all wrapped up, and he can come back to Canada and to Toronto, I think we would all like to see him back on the Arrows. That said, um, replacing a winger is one thing. Replacing someone I would classify as the heart of the team is something new entirely um we do have the vice captain and the original captain from 2019 lucas rumble on the squad and you know i absolutely can see him taking up that mantle and leading it forward for 2021 if the arrow select him as captain going forward um as for who can be the heart of the team i think it's to be honest, too early to tell at this point. I think we have to wait until the end of preseason next year and just see where uh, the players' headspace is at the moment. Because as you said, Dan Moore was the one who would be going into the locker room, getting other players to be part of the rugby community with the fans. So it's basically now on the Arrow squad for 2021 to say, look, someone or all of us need to step up to the plate for our fans and for our city. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's, it's when you say it's like, hey, how do you kind of move on? And, you know, we got, you know, after Sam Malcolm was announced to go to the Sea Waves, we got the, you know, within the same week, we got the announcement that um, Juan Cruz Gonzalez was joining the team. And, you know, right now, like the, the arrows are in like negotiations with a lot of, you know, top, you know, wingers from around the world and, um, you know, including like a tier one international. So like, you know, the guy that will be replacing Dan Moore on the wing is going to be a good rugby player. And, you know, but, I think there's a complete difference between replacing Dan Moore, like the rugby skill set and Dan Moore, the person. Yeah. And, you know, even, you know, we talk about a lot of things with like fans and stuff. And I, I wrote in my sort of article for layman sports when, you know, that was kind of paying tribute, I guess, to some of the things from Dan's career and, you know, summing up um, the, the retirement announcement. But I went to Las Vegas this year for the Vegas series and, you know, going to Vegas, a lot of MLR people around, a lot of fellow members of the MLR media and stuff. So I was, you know, trying to do my best to, you know, kind of networking, hand out business cards and, you know, just kind of try to get the name out there a little bit more. But, you, you know, while I was kind of doing that, it's like when I there had so many conversations that were just, you know, talking a little bit about like what I'm trying to do as far as like covering MLR and the arrows and then, you know, it would immediately be, all fo- be followed up with like, oh, so you're from Toronto. And then the next follow-up question was always like, like, do you know Dan Moore? And, you know, there was just so many conversations that just kind of flowed from that being like this individual that had, you know, a great experience uh, working or talking to uh, Dan Moore, like working with talking to Dan Moore in either a professional capacity or just having met him in general. And, 
it was kind of, you know, after that happened, like a handful of times, it was, you know, it kind of started to become clear that it was like Dan Moore's probably, you know, he's not just one of the more popular players in Toronto. Like he was one of the most popular players in all of MLR, whether it was from the perspective of the media or from the perspective of fans. And, you know, from that point of view, like, I don't know how you do it. Like you said, somebody's, somebody's going to be wearing that 14 jersey next year. It'll be a good player. And, you know, there's going to be Lucas Rumball. You know, if I had to guess right now, based on what we know, I would say the fact that he was the vice captain, Lucas Rumball is probably the guy that's next in line to be the captain of the Toronto Arrows. You also have others, a couple other guys, like maybe like Thomas Della Vega uh, could step up. Sam, But, you know, out of the three guys that have captained the Arrows, uh, Sam Malcolm and Dan Moore, both of them are no longer on the team. So, you know, that's going to give an opportunity for somebody else to step up into that role. And, you know, to replace Dan Moore's, you know, his off the field, his off the field impact, his impact in the locker room, it might have to be something that's more or less done by committee and, you know, maybe may there might there's going to be a guy that can score tries on team. Somebody's going to be able to score tries for the Toronto Arrows, but uh, you know, I think I think that's kind of where a lot of the, the I don't necessarily want to say disappointment in the fact that he retires because it, uh, you know, obviously that's that's his own decision and stuff. But you know, I think that's where a lot of fans are. You know, just a little saddened that you know this this legend of the game uh, especially in Toronto you know has you know decided to call it a career but you know the skill set might be able to be replaced but the uh, the person that Demore was is going to be an immense challenge i think yeah absolutely i think um, it's very hard to replace the mindset that Dan Moore had when it came to Um, interacting with the community as well. I recently read the book Legacy by James Kerr, which actually details the um, strategy utilized by the All Blacks from the end of the 2007 World Cup until they became back-to-back World Cup winners. And the first thing they have, and the first rule they have, is uh, sweep the sheds, which is that no one is above anything in the team and that even like the top try scorer or most line breaks made you still pick up a broom and you uh, sweep the dressing room after you're done leave it in a respectable condition for the next time around and I think now and in the preseason leading into the 2021 season it's now you've got to see which guys on the arrows are going to sweep the sheds which are the guys that are going to step up without being asked to carry on that legacy. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, one of the other uh, major rules that they kind of talked about in that book too, was no dickheads. And, you know, I think it's uh, been quite clear that uh, the Toronto arrows have kind of heavily abided by that rule. And, you know, they always talk about their, their team culture, right? So with, you know, how strong their culture is, they were, you know, they, you know, from, when I was talking to uh, more Lesage and uh, Jamie McKenzie, there was, you know, saying like all the things that the team was doing to try to stay together, like during um, COVID-19 and when the season was shut down, like they would have, you know, team zoom calls where they would do trivia challenges and things like that. And, you know, and Dan Moore was the guy that 
organized most of it too right so you know he was you know he can definitely continue to be the captain have that captain mindset even though you know he had played his last game and I think to me I think I think that's where I kind of sit on it like as far as the my like I guess the emotion of finding out that Dan Moore was retired it was just you know in the game against rugby ATL, which will now be like the final game that Dan Moore played in major league rugby. It's like he, he had to come off due to an injury. He made a, you know, he made a tackle on um, rugby ATL fly half Kurt Coleman. And um, you know, some, some way in that like landed properly or got kind of twisted up as Coleman and him came to the ground. And, you know, he had to kind of walk off the pitch gingerly and, you know, that's, that's, I guess, the last time Dan, Dan Moore will be on a professional rugby pitch or at least an MLR pitch. And, you know, it's just – and then he didn't play against Colorado in the final – you know, in the final game of the season. So – and then COVID shut it down. And I feel like there's been a lot of athletes, you know, probably at least from the Toronto point of view, it's like most noted Dan Moore, Vince Carter, that – you know, even like Sergio Parise right now, like he's had his, you know, Italy finale de- delayed by a typhoon and a global pandemic. And, you know, it's just, there, there's a lot of guys out there that are kind of, you know, it's, that's the one thing. It's like the, their career, yeah, I guess is ending now, but it's like, unfortunately due to the current state of the world with this pandemic, it's like, I wish I just would have liked, I just wish like, you know, Dan was able to get like a proper like send off, like just kind of that, that one last game, you know, you can, whether it be, hopefully it would have been for the MLR shield, but you know, Oh, it would, it would have, Oh, it would have. Yeah. It would have, that's yeah, exactly. That's how somewhere in an alternate universe, there is no global pandemic. And Dan Moore had a hat trick as the Toronto arrows defeated the San Diego Legion to, win uh the mlr shield in 2020 or and there's probably another alternate universe where dan moore scores a hat trick to defeat the austin gilgronies to win the mlr shield in 2020 infinite possibilities if you dive into the realm of alternate universes but like yeah i just ultimately yeah i just i wish that would have been a thing that uh and you know i hope i hope whenever this pandemic is done and we're able to go back to getting kind of sports you know we're able to get Dan Moore out to a game. And I mean, you know, just do like sort of, I mean, some Ray sort of like treatment. Yeah, exactly. Some sort of like presentation. I was thinking like, obviously like rugby doesn't retire numbers or anything for obvious reasons. And, you know, maybe, you know, we got to get like a little ring of honor or something going for a uh, Lamport stadium that maybe we can, you know, see if we can get that built or something, but do like some sort of ceremony, even if it's something like what the arrows were able to do for Ray Barkwell when he retired and he, you know, he came out uh, before the, uh, the first game against Seattle there too. So, and uh, so like do something for him. Like, I think that'd be cool just to give the chance, the give the fans the, you know, the opportunity to, you know, say goodbye, say thank you properly. Cause it's like, I'm sure, when he left the pitch against rugby ATL, the furthest thing from my mind was that's going to be the last time I see Dan Moore play rugby. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, like you said, um, Vince Carter, Sergio Parise, there's a few Olympians now who are on the fence of 
do I keep training at a high level for 2021 or do I just call it a day now because of the intensity it takes in professional sport, which is a fair judgment to make. And yeah, I think, I think Dan Moore would have liked to end his career, at least seeing the season out. I think all of us would have liked to see it all the way out. And I know that he had been approached for a job on Bay Street before he came back to the Arrows. And he delayed that, obviously, to play for a couple of seasons, and now he's making good on his words. And like I said, it was a shock. So if he had come out and said something along the lines of, oh, yeah, I've signed for another season, but whatever happens, this will be my final time playing rugby. And I think if that happened, we would have all been eased into it of going like, well, he's given he's given his uh, speech. Now we know that, you know, we've only got a few games left. And I think, yeah, I would have been great if one of his last games in MLR could have been on home soil in Toronto. Even though we can now say that the last game he did play in Toronto was the drop goal game. And he uh, scored a try in that as well. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Find the positives in uh, everything. Uh, yeah, he, he did. That's probably, I mean, that's the best. I think it, for my monies, that's the best game in Arrow's history. And yeah, like who knows if uh, Malcolm even gets the, you know, you got to score t- in order to set yourself up for the chance to do that drop goal. So, you know, who knows if Malcolm even gets that opportunity if uh, Dan Moore isn't able to uh, secure a try in that game. So, mass- yeah, I guess t- I never even thought of that, actually. That would be his last game in Toronto would have been that uh, that legendary that legendary matchup. Yeah, always, f- always find the positives in situations such as this and – yeah, I think that's what we have to do with um, all these athletes who are now. Yeah. Now, even though they've said, oh, it's on my terms and saying that 2020 would be their final year because of COVID, things have been delayed. I know um, as an Ospreys fan, uh, James Hook, uh, Welsh international, um, has called time on his career, which he had always planned to do and said that uh, the 2019 2020 season would be his swan song and then if anyone has been keeping up to date with the Ospreys this season the fact that the season has been postponed is a good thing <laughs> and but at the same time his contract was until the original end of the season which would have been uh, the start of June and now he has officially said he's not going to sign an extension because there are um plans to restart the league in August, I believe. Uh, But he's said, nope, my time's up. It's time for the uh, new guys to take over. He will have a testimonial year. And I think that's possibly something that could happen with Dan Moore is that once um, COVID has been taken care of and we can guarantee that we can have um, crowds watching a game and people will be safe. I think a testimonial game, especially, say, in around August, September time in Toronto would be 
a great way to say thank you to Dan Moore. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think there's there's a whole lot more else to s- say right now. There's He's going to go down as an absolute Toronto Arrows legend, a legend of Toronto rugby in general. Um, you know, whether it was, you know, starting at the Balmy Beach, you know, all the way, you know, through playing a little bit of pro in Europe and then, you know, closing out his career with the Toronto Arrows. And, you know, those 14 caps for Canada, you know, he's – you know, he's truly is calling it a career and it's a great career that he did have. And, you know, I just, yeah, I just want the fans to be able to, you know, get an opportunity to say, you know, thank you, because that's, that's really all you can kind of, you know, looking back on his career, what he was able to do on the pitch, but probably even more importantly off the pitch, it's just, you know, it's going to have a lasting impact on the Toronto Arrows fan base. And I think, you know, that, that that's all I really have to say left. Uh, Dan is just thank you, thank you for everything. Absolutely. So Dan, I know you're listening to this because you're already getting the first round in. But for everything you've done for Arrows and Canadian rugby, thank you. Thank you guys for listening to our little tribute to uh, the great Dan Moore here. Uh, you can find us at LaRouge Rugby on Twitter. Find myself at Brissette the Jet on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, Stu, you want to plug all of your stuff away here as we end the episode? Oh, thank you very much. Well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN, because H-A-R-D-M-A-N was already taken. Um, You can also find out about my YouTube rugby show, Hardline Rugby, on Twitter, which is at H-A-R-D underscore rugby and thank you very much for listening and you know once again we can't really say it enough but thank you dan i'm gonna get a good way i promise yep just wait boys be patient there we go good stuff he peels away picks up staller there a turner sorry now shepherd there you go there'll be no thoughts of kicking here for seattle they're gonna run this one Clock almost expires here as we approach 80 minutes. Toronto. Here we go, boys. Up we get. A little bit of revenge for that loss. And they'll put the icing on the cake as Dan Moore gets his second at the match. And the arrows, there's the exclamation mark on this performance. 37-17 with a kick to come. I was just going to say maybe a little revenge for that semi-final loss.